boundaries are actually really fluid and flexible and they can change over time. I know you are doing the best that you can right now. Your relationships matter to you. You are important. And yet over time, we get stuck. We get lost or we stop showing up as our true self. We get hung up on the stories we tell ourselves, the comparisons, or feeling like we are not good enough. I'm Not Your Shrink is a podcast aimed at helping you feel connected to yourself, to others, and to live a life that is in line with what matters most to you. I'm Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife and mother to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Let's dive in. Hey, podcast listeners. Thank you for clicking play on another episode. Today, we are talking all about boundaries, of course, as we enter into the busy holiday season and boundaries with our families are one of the most common struggles and questions that I get in my community. And so I have brought on a special guest because he is going to be able to offer the other side and some input around boundaries. And I opened up a question box so that you could ask your questions and we've got them here. So Greg, my husband, thank you for joining me here on another episode of the podcast. Thanks for having me. If you haven't yet, please go listen, like press pause right now and go listen to season two, episode 17. I heard from so many of you that this was the episode that you needed. Greg and I broke down common myths that show up in relationships and so many people sent me DMs afterwards saying that the episode was helpful. They had their partner listen to it and that was helpful. So, okay. Here we are. So let's start just diving into our first question, which is, I'm the only one with boundaries and it puts a damper on our relationship. He thinks I'm just mean. How can we get on the same page? So I'm not surprised to hear about the word damper being put in with boundary. Like, are you surprised by that based on like all of your boundary experiences and what you've learned about boundaries over the years with me? Not really. I mean, I don't know, in like a hetero cisgender relationship, I think men typically perceive them incorrectly. They think them as like a nag, um, maybe a bit mean, kind of unnecessary. Um, So that's where I think kind of the reframe around what boundaries, the intention of boundaries are, can be really powerful Um, and hopefully kind of help them change their mind. You know, in the sense of like boundaries are actually designed so we can include people, include family, find a path forward, actually create less friction kind of in the interactions with your partner and their family. Um, so I think if you're able to kind of like get that across to your partner, husband, yeah. in most cases, I guess, in this sense, that maybe that kind of reduces kind of that friction and can turn it on its end, you know, stop letting it be, have them perceive it as a damper rather than as a kind of a solution. Yeah, I think that's so important that you're saying that because this is like, it. it's not an all or nothing. And I think this is sometimes how we understand things, right? Like if I'm going to put a boundary out there, it means yeah. it's like all of this, it never changes. It has to be X. It's never going to have any wiggle room. Right. Versus boundaries are actually really fluid and flexible and they can change over time. Um, and, and also too, it's like, 
not really about putting a damper on the relationship, but rather about getting on the same team and being a partnership. Yeah, I think I think the other piece here that's important too is like if you just start laying strict authoritative boundaries out of nowhere, that probably is going to put a damper mm. on any relationship, mm-hmm. whether it's a friend or your partner or a parent. Totally. So I think maybe having a bit of the front load conversation can it kind of goes back to that your point about all or nothing, right? Like if you all of a sudden become all yeah, and don't kind of create that awareness first, right. it's not, it's kind of an on-starter and, and most people are going to react negatively to that and hence the damper. Totally. Okay. So here's the thing. Everything Greg is saying right now is really great. And I'm going to tell you that we have not always been at this point in our relationship of where we have both understood boundaries in this way. Still not totally. (laughs) Still not. Right. (laughs) And I always say too, that I'm continuing to learn and understand what boundaries are, what my own boundaries look like, and even how to set them with people, right? Because here's the thing, for most of us, we don't learn how to do this. And then it's really hard. And Greg, you already alluded to this in what you said, but I think what we need to understand is that sometimes one partner is further ahead on their journey of understanding what it means to set loving limits with people that we love or what it means to share our needs. And for a lot of, again, the heterosexual cisgender couples that I see, um, it tends to be that women have already learned what their boundaries are, are on Instagram with the tiles coming up and the posts saying, you know, here are your no's and this is how you can do it. Versus I tend to see that in that relationship, men tend to be slower and to onboard in this. Yeah, it's interesting you brought up kind of the information economy around parenting and relationships. Instagram has obviously accelerated that at warp speed, but it's it's heavily biased probably towards the female partner. Yeah. So I, I can imagine kind of th- if I look at your Instagram feed, yeah, which is like relationship parenting, advice, learning versus mine, which is like dirt bikes and golf, golf and maybe the odd like the algo f- feeds me something around parenting because I was looking for a quick <laughs> fix one day, right? So it's like, yeah, I mean, right. the, the women might naturally be ahead and then you kind of, you know, the information is so readily available. So I think that comes back to then like, how do we even start this conversation? So if we come to our partners really hot and from the perspective of you should already know this, you have to go and set boundaries We're we're setting us up for a tailspin in a conversation. We're not going to move forward versus putting on an episode like this with your partner around. Uh, You know, I can think of my Be Connected membership space, how many lessons in there that are around sharing feelings and needs with each other, setting boundaries. Like You can have those on so your partner is also hearing them, but then also coming to this conversation from a really curious and inquisitive position. You know, the question is, he thinks I'm just mean. The question, instead of getting her back, it would be like, mean, like, what do you, you know? Um, it, it's more about like, tell me more about that. Help me understand how you view that as being mean. Yeah. And I think you and I have even had those conversations before. For sure. Support for today's episode comes from ZocDoc. We all know there are things in life we have to compromise on, like the right way to load a dishwasher or whether those socks are going to stay on the floor for a week. Okay, in all seriousness, but when it comes to your mental health, 
There is no compromise. So we don't need to go back to that one therapist or one physician who didn't align with what we need just because they're available right now. We don't need to compromise on the care we need for our overall wellness. Instead, this is where ZocDoc comes in. This is a place where you can find and book hundreds of types of doctors, including therapists, psychologists, and psychiatrists. And you can find someone who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your well-being. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of patient-reviewed in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. You can search by location, availability, and insurance. Go to ZocDoc.com I-N-Y-S and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. If I needed this app, this is one that I would be going to. That's zocdoc.com slash I-N-Y-S and get the care that you need today. Support for today's episode comes from Loop Earplugs. For so long after having children, I kept wondering why I was easily overwhelmed and felt like an angry mom. The noise from the kids, the dog barking, and the sounds around me from everyday life. But I now understand that I'm not an angry mom, and instead, my nervous system gets overwhelmed and overstimulated, which is why I've been turning more and more to my loop earplugs to help me stay more regulated and engaged with the family. I'm using loop engage to help dampen the sound around me. And these loop earplugs allow me to still be with every beat and conversation. I still hear Greg. I can still hear the kids. I love that they are so comfortable and they come with eight silicone ear tips to ensure the right fit for you. The best part for me is that I take them everywhere with me. They are proving the test of time and not to mention they're stylish in my ears. Plus, we love the kids versions, which we've been able to take to the movies for our kids. I'm so excited that Loop Earplugs is offering you, my community, a discount so that you too can tackle that overstimulation while still being engaged with the activities and people you love. Visit loopearplugs.com and use my code Loop times Dr. Tracy for 10% off your order. That's L-O-O-P-X-D-R-T-R-A-C-Y for 10% off your order. All right, the next question. My mother-in-law asked to book Christmas photos for my son. My husband doesn't think it's overstepping. He doesn't understand that it makes me feel like I'm losing my independence and responsibility. And I think this is a really hard one because I often get this question around what is the right boundary? What's the right thing to do? And that's really tricky when two people in a partnership don't agree on something. And I think what's important about that is it doesn't mean that you can't find a way through the issue. Um, Myla and I cover this in our same page parenting holiday webinar If you haven't grabbed it, go grab it. We wanted to make this our most accessible resource given all that is happening right now. So it is just $9.99. Myla and I did an hour and some for the webinar. And we really talked about how you and your partner can get on the same page for the holidays. So first start there. But I think the question here really is, what is each person's need? And... 
what's going to feel good for you as the family unit. And I think that's something that we lose. Like, I, I don't know, you tell me, like, when we get into a relationship, we forget then that this is our family unit now. It's the three of them, her, mom, dad, and child. And we don't want to exclude family members, but we also have to find a way that's going to work for everybody. Yeah, I, I think there's a balance to be struck with respecting your family of origin, but kind of carving out mm. some new traditions um, with your kind of primary family. I'm not sure what the correct, correct phrases, but, um, you know, I can maybe coming back to that curiosity and like, is there a way that the mother-in-law or grandma can feel special in the holiday season mm. without micromanaging the new family's choices mm-hmm. and wishes during, you know, it sounds like a lot truthfully. So I, I, I do wonder if there's a way to like kind of problem solve a way to include the mother-in-law without allowing her to kind of like dictate this and kind of go back to her with a solution and just said like straight up no. And that might ease the burden on your partner as well. So you brought up such such an important point. And I think that when it comes to our family, cutting people out is not really a form of boundaries. That that's a reaction. Sometimes, yeah, it's the opposite. So sometimes relationships are so difficult. You've tried, you've tried to set boundaries, you've tried to set limits, that sometimes you need to take space. And people do take space. And we need, I think we need to normalize that when things get so bad, sometimes you need space. And I think also too, what's important though, is that building healthy interdependent relationships. So we're moving away from codependency we're building into healthy selves and that is around having those limits in there. And I love what you said there because it's like, how can you then create this um, ritual or a tradition with grandma? Because essentially, I mean, this comes back to your values though, right? Like if a value is to have family around you and your children, then we've got to find a way to make it work for everybody. Yeah. I guess that's the assumption in the question is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so what what could grandma be involved in? And also too, when we're talking about actually doing and saying boundaries, I think that comes right back to that statement of expressing empathy to the other person. So I can imagine if we were setting a boundary and we've decided, you know what, this is not what we want to do, we would start with, oh, grandma, you love your grandson so much that it would be so much fun to have that photo shoot. We know how much you love, you know, our son. And here is what's going to work for us, right? Mm-hmm. The old soft startup. Okay, the next two questions, I've glumped them. I lumped them together, or glumped. <laughs> That's not a word. Um, how much, <clears throat> so the question is, how much do you let family or in-laws dictate your plans? My significant other thinks it's easier to, in quotations, just go with it. And then the second question that I put with that one is, in-laws, how to navigate setting boundaries when one partner is resistant. What do you think, Greg? Well, I think in the short term, um, it is easier. It's the path of least resistance. Yeah. I mean, particularly for a lot of guys out there, that's probably the route they often take. But I think the implications in the long run will backfire. And and what about next time and time after that? And um, I know in your community, a lot of the women talk about resentment showing up, but I think they need we all need to remember that it kind of shows up for the men too. So that could be resentment with their family or if their partner pushes back on them, just going with it, that creates then the interpersonal relation uh, resentment in the relationship. Um, so I think it can kind of lead to some, 
some tough spots. Um, so yeah, I mean, as someone who's kind of avoidant and been down this path myself, sure, it's way, way easier just to kind of go with the flow. But instead of kind of taking a step back, um, thinking about it, listening to your partner, doesn't mean you have to agree with it. Maybe sometimes you still go with the flow, but maybe there are times where like, look, this is not the, this is not the, not the right time to just kind of go with it. Because um, I think we often get kind of stuck in this spot of like, the path of least resistance seems easier, but if you kind of take a step back and like think through of like what the plans are, what the implications are, is it really easier? And I don't think it's always the case. I mean, I don't have an example offhand, but I think we've all kind of had that feeling where we, we do something that we think is the easy route and like, oh shit, that's not, mm-hmm. not it. Mm-hmm. If I, if I were to rewind our, our video of us and our relationship journey, I think, you know, one of the things that, I would have said to younger Tracy is to have more compassion for your urge to just go with it. And Mm. I think that it's really hard, right? Because like I can see, Hey, I I can admit that I will admit that I can, I can just see that, you know, it's really uncomfortable because when we think about it, there are people that we want to look after. We don't want to upset family members. We don't want to change the status quo. Like right. we, you know, this feels familiar. It feels comfortable. And I, I, I'll go back and say, like, have a little more understanding. And I think that's kind of what I would want listeners to take away from is, you know, I know you just see your partner as resisting, right? They're, they're saying they're just go with it or they're mm. being resistant, but I'm always thinking of that younger child, that little boy somewhere who learned not to share things or to talk about needs, right? I mean, especially for our guys who have lived their entire lives being told, don't cry, don't show those emotions, don't do those things, don't share your needs. And I think that's really important for us that when we see our partner struggling with that, to also have a really big dose of compassion. Yeah. It also goes back to the point you made earlier about <clears throat> they're just at different spots on the journey, right? Yeah. So, I mean, typically, in either of these situations, this partner is probably not at the same level as yeah. Yeah. the partner. And then, so the question then is, ultimately, we can't ever control somebody else. So if mm-hmm. your partner is struggling and resistant to setting boundaries, there's always two choices. I can either continue to butt my head against my partner and say, set the boundary, set the boundary, tell your mother, tell your mother, or I have to change something about myself. And so for someone like this, where my partner's resistant, and I've worked through this with many people, we've started talking about what are some of those self boundaries that are going to feel good for you. So when you're at a family member's house and you know, you're there because whether it's your family or their family, you're there because your value is connecting with family and acknowledging that our grandparents offer a different type of relationship for our kids, right? Absolutely. Um, that we're not supposed to, as parents, be the ones to offer all of the things. Other people can offer really cool things too. So then the question is, what are some of my self-boundaries? So, you know, I've worked with clients to go to the washroom and splash water on their face if an uncomfortable topic comes up and you don't want to participate. Or I can remember another person... Um, decided that they're no longer going to go for every Sunday night dinner right, because, soon, yeah. yeah, because their partner wasn't able to set limits around conversations and how things ended up at the table. And so that could also be 
the boundaries that, again, if our partners are not willing to change, can we then find what's going to work better for us? And instead of continuing to like hit the person over the head. Support for today's episode comes from Cozy Earth. You know I am all about caring for ourselves, especially in these busy years with our young kids. We are pulled in so many directions, but I think it's so important for us to find ways to nurture ourselves that require no additional time from us. I should probably let you in on one of my favorite things to do to look after me, and that is to get a good night's sleep on amazing sheets. I am beyond thrilled to bring you Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding products with an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for my listeners. We've got a code. It's SHRINK, S-H-R-I-N-K, for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. Now, I didn't believe it until I tried them, but I firmly stand by my sleep improving with the temperature regulating technology, which adapts to your body's needs. For the past year, I have not slept on any other brand of sheets. Cozy Earth uses the very best fabrics, materials, and wares, offering superior softness for you to sink into at the end of those long days. I look forward to getting into bed, and we've been loving the sheets for over a year and their sleepwear is so unbelievably soft and it's made with such great quality. But the best part is that if you're worried about commitment, enjoy a 100 night sleep trial and a 10 year warranty on all of your purchases. Head over to CozyEarth.com and use promo code SHRINK for an exclusive 35% off and give the luxury she deserves with Cozy Earth. Okay, the next one. The person blood related should they be the one to initiate those necessary but hard boundary conversations? What do you think? Well, I think in most instances, this is the best way. Um, You still kind of belong to your family of origin and you're kind of in, there's some enmeshment, I guess, with that in your new family. So Mm -hmm. I think, I think in most cases, that's the best way to do it. I mean, there's probably certainly exceptions and Mm -hmm. a lot of context and nuance to Mm -hmm. each individual situation. So it's, it's kind of a general question, and I think the answer, therefore, is pretty general um, from my perspective. Yeah, the best path is that way. It's hard, right? So, and again, I know for many people, if their partner is not willing to set the boundary, then they're like, okay, well, I have to do it. And the challenge with that is that then, the let's say the female partner, she becomes the scapegoat or she's the bad guy. And there's another piece I want to add here is that for the partner setting the boundary, I'm not going to go to my family and say, hey, mom, you know, Greg doesn't want to come for four nights at Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. Like it is a we decision That's right. Yeah. that we have to move as a unit and as a family so that our family can start to see us this way. Because we don't want families to start seeing like, oh, Greg's the bad guy. What's Greg doing here? Why doesn't Greg want to be here with us? Mm-hmm. Versus this is a decision we've made as a family together. Right. Yeah, that's really important. Yeah. This next question is a little bit of a tough one. Um, it says, how do I get my husband to reach out to his family? I know he wants to, but it's always me replying. And I, th- I think it's tough because I don't have all the information. I want more information around right. the context of it. So is she replying to the group texts? Sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, stop doing it. Stop replying. As a start. Yeah. Yeah, that's a hard one. And when it comes to our families, like, I think one of the things that's really important around this one is acknowledging that there was a dynamic that already existed with your partner's family and all of the workings with the family members over there. 
And so then we come in thinking, oh, I will be the communicator. I will be the gift giver. I will be the card maker. And, you know, that wasn't necessarily the dynamic between your partner. We're drinking smoothies, if you could hear it in the background. Um, we're, we're they're communicating in that way. You know, so if, again, if we're taking that heterosexual relationship, the son may have never given mom Mother Day car, Mother's Day cards. And now you're putting pressure on yourself mm-hmm. to be the one to give the Mother's Day cards, to be the replier in the text messaging, to take over all of that when that really wasn't their dynamic to begin with. So I think stepping back can sometimes be important. Yeah, I mean, there's a bit of a lack of detail here too, but the other thing we don't know is like, is this person replying to just direct text text mm. messages to mm-hmm. like say their partner's mother on yeah. their behalf? Like right. maybe it's not a group group message. I mean, so the, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think it's also important they tell their partner that the, you know it's important that they have a relationship with their family and, mm-hmm. and they want to see that succeed. But um, it's not something they want to or should maybe continue to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so not just kind of leaving it like I'm just going to stop and not tell the parties involved, but rather I've noticed that I'm the one texting. I just want to reiterate that it's important that you text your partner. And one of the things that you and I have done really well in our relationship is we have said we're responsible for planning events with our own families. Right. So that neither you nor I are the... Uh, family event planners, right? Right. Because it's a lot if yeah. I were to take on both families. So yeah, it's a good division of labor. It's not perfect, but I mean, yeah. if, maybe if someone listening thinks of that as a starting point, right. and it might also put a little onus on the other partner. Maybe maybe they're just complacent as hell and just like if the mm. partner keeps doing it for them, then mm-hmm. hey, that's one less thing I have to do. Which which is often the perspective. It's not malicious, right? Yeah, exactly. It's not malicious, but it's just like, oh, I guess I don't have to text mom because. You know, Tracy already did, so great, right? Yeah. Well, it comes back to the, the the mental load that women typically carry. Yes. So they just do it. Right. And continue to do. And, then, and continue. Yeah. Yes, right. Uh, this question, set a boundary but now feeling regret. How to work through that? Okay, so this one, you know, here's the thing about boundaries. You can always change what the the boundary is. This is not meant to be you got a tattoo and now it's like, you know, it's going to be expensive to remove it. Um, This is, you know, first, I think first it's kind of like asking yourself, why do you feel uncomfortable? What's the uncomfortable feeling about? Is it because it's new and it's hard and it's more of a discomfort and that's where the regret's coming from? And if that's the case, can you sit in that discomfort? You're not supposed to feel this like, and I think that's the mistake we make, right? We like go and do something hard and it's like, okay, I'm going to feel great. I'm finally doing the hard thing. And actually you're going to feel uncomfortable. You might feel regret because this feels like it's outside of the norm. So that's the first thing. Um, But then I think the other thing is if you have had a chance to step back, um, reflect a little bit in terms of how that felt for you, what you do need moving forward, then you can always change it. And you can do that by going to the person saying, you know, I've been thinking about what I shared with you earlier. I've had some chance to reassess what I feel and need. And moving forward, I think maybe this would work better. But that, that regret feeling is an interesting one. I think that's so, 
such a common thing and people can just kind of give themselves a lot of grace and knowing that nothing is cemented in relationships. Right. I think that's such the beautiful thing about relationships is that you go back and you repair, you take responsibility for missteps, you know, you own your mistakes and then you move forward. And if someone is not willing to move forward with you because they're upset about something that speaks to them and stuff they need to work out. Mm. And not about you. It's funny. My thoughts on exactly what you said is mm-hmm. like, are you regret because someone, how someone reacted mm. were they upset with you? Is that why you regret it? Ooh. So I think that differentiation you made of what's driving this regret is really important right. to kind of figure out before you kind of take the next step instead of just reacting. So, I mean, yeah, if they're upset based on a reaction, yeah. that's one thing. That's that uncomfortable piece. Um, but if, if you're not feeling good and maybe re- truly regret based on the merits of what you do, um, that's where the repair piece can be really powerful. And I think it's how you do it is going to be really important, like you said. I think sometimes, too, when it comes to expressing our needs, right? So this is what boundaries are. Boundaries are about what we want to happen and what we don't want to happen. And for some people, they could be really holding in things. I hold, I hold, I hold. And then I set this great big boundary, right? Which is, I didn't want to come for Sunday night dinner. I'll just use Sunday night dinner, for example. I didn't want to come for Sunday night dinner. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And then finally, after six months of going for Sunday night dinners, you're like, I never want to go for Sunday night dinner again. I'm done. I'm over Sunday night dinners. But after that, you feel relief because you have finally owned what you're feeling, And now it's like, well, maybe it's not like so extreme. Hmm. Maybe now I can have that wiggle room. But the wiggle room comes from you actually having permission to express what you needed. And so then it's like, how do I do small things frequently? How do I express those boundaries over time? And that can be really powerful. Uh, This question, my mom makes comments on how mannerisms and looks of our girls come from her. Annoying. It's pretty annoying, yeah. I mean, to me, it speaks to kind of an underlying desire for her to be recognized, included. There's probably a bit of a legacy. Um, you know, maybe grandma didn't get a lot of inclusion or validation growing up, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's a tough one, but that's also one, if it truly is bothering you or annoying you, it's an opportunity to set a loving boundary. If it's something you can maybe let go and it's infrequent, you know, it might be a pick your battle kind of situation. Yeah, which is important about boundaries, right? It's one thing where something is annoying because other people will annoy us. That's just yes. inevitable in relationships. But it's kind of like, first, who who am I setting the boundary with? Like if, if this is someone that you're really close with, you can frequently set boundaries. They hear you. They understand you. They'll re- receive that information. But if not, then you get to decide how you show up in that moment, are you going to focus on it and like put the nail in the coffin on this comment or are you going to practice letting it go and just watch it go by like a cloud in the sky and not giving it any more energy? Yeah. Take it for what it is. It's about her, not you. It's a, yeah, totally. And also your man, the mannerisms and the looks of your children come from you said from another mother. (laughs) Um, All right. He has a judgy family and I'm a highly sensitive person. I wish he had more of a backbone with his mom. All right. I think this one is really important because knowing that we're talking about someone's family and how that environment is 
a difficult interaction with who you are as a person. So highly sensitive people are really, they receive a lot of information from their environment and they become overwhelmed and overstimulated. Um, if you haven't, go back and listen to episode two with Larissa. That's a great one to start with in terms of dealing with that overstimulation and overwhelmed. But I want to emphasize here though, is that you know, you can't change someone's family in that sense. All you get to do is choose, how am I going to show up in this environment? So knowing that your window of tolerance might be shortened because you are a highly sensitive person, then... (laughs) You will want to make sure that you're taking breaks for you. So if you're sitting at the dinner table, you might not move into the living room right away after with them. You might decide to go for a walk. You might use some scents. You might use different senses, get some tea, get some more soothing things, or go to the washroom and splash some cold water on your face. Um, You're saying, I wish he had more of a backbone with his mom. And and that's a tough one, right? Like, what, what do you hope that I mean, we don't have this information. Our questions are limited in terms of the space, but what, what, what would be different if, if you're, and maybe just explore that a little bit. Like, what do I hope to be different? Um, if my partner had a backbone with his mom, is it that he would stand up and say something? And then again, if we go back to boundaries, is she even someone that could receive that information? Yeah. It's, it almost sounds like Again, very limited information. It, it almost sounds like she just, if this is a female, um, wants to know that her partner's got her back. Mm. Um, whether or not that means him standing up to his mom in front of her or literally just in private saying, hey, I, I see that this is this is what happens with my mom and it's not cool and let's problem solve and maybe a different way I can handle it or, or whatever the case. Again, that's kind of bit of a take but mm, yeah I like that yeah or can you like have a knowing look across the room when mom makes a judgy comment or something like that same team same team be on the same team okay how to stand firm on boundary when mom pushes back I end up not holding it up to avoid mm, relatable yeah that's yeah. that's tough I mean so far we've talked a lot about boundaries and maybe how to set them but we often don't talk about how to handle it when they're not respected or people give uh, pushback on them. So you cannot control what other people do. You can only control what you do. And so boundaries ultimately come back to us and ourselves. We're the ones that need to hold them. And we can do that in very loving ways. So what tends to happen is that people go into over-justifying and they start to explain more or they end up avoiding And uh, I mean, either way, you don't end up feeling good in a relationship. So I can imagine, let's say mom, what's uh, how to stand firm on a boundary. So mom pushes and says, you're still bed sharing. Hot topic. Just choose that one. Okay. You're still bed sharing. And then she says, well, you know, you're not even getting enough sleep. So why are you bed sharing? And you hold your boundary by saying, I know you're worried and this isn't a conversation I want to have with you. Well, I'm just being your mother. I want to be concerned about you. I, I'm allowed to be concerned about you. So why are you still bedroom? And you just keep holding it. 
mom, this isn't a conversation I want to go into with you. And if she pushes and pushes and pushes, you put your hand up and say, I'm not willing to go into this. And then you walk away or you let her know you're going to walk away or you say, I'm done with this conversation. I'm not having it. But notice as I'm saying this, I'm not doing the, mom, you never listen to me. Why can't you just understand that I don't want to talk about it? Like there's all this research about, right? Like that is the offensive. That's defensive, it's critical, that's over-justifying. You don't got to do that. You just stay in, I'm not having this conversation. I'm going to go to the washroom, I'll be right back. Right? Or you change the topic. Mm-hmm. Or you f- refocus on the kids. And Yeah, I think reminding this person too that, you know, there's a bit of a win in them just reiterating their boundary, standing firm on the fact they set the boundary, even if the person is pushing back and not agreeing with it, like, quote, unquote, the boundary didn't work. Well, you don't know that yet, mm. right? Yeah, maybe next In the moment, time. it didn't feel like it, but you might be laying some good groundwork for next time. And I think there's some, some merit and value in just setting it the first time and then holding it. We can also be certain in some ways that our family is pretty consistent and predictable. Mm. So if mom has, in the last five family visits, asked about your sleep and your bed sharing arrangements or whatever that looks like, chances are she's probably going to do it again. (laughs) So you can be prepared for that and you can practice what is it that you want to say? What is the loving boundary you want to say in that moment? And for people who are listening and do this with their children, of course, it's the same way, right? Expressing empathy. I know it's hard. I don't want to talk about this with you. And then holding that boundary. Okay, this last one here, Greg. Limiting gifts from my mother-in-law. She doesn't listen when we say one to two gifts only and gets him five to ten instead. And five to ten probably make noise. Probably make noise. That's right. Oh, boy. Okay, so Myla and I just covered this one in our webinar, Same Page Parenting, our holiday edition. So here's the thing. This is a boundary that you can uphold. Getting ahead of these things is important. And so if your boundaries are not being respected, you always have a choice. You have a choice of how you want to respond to them. Myla and I in our webinar walk you through step-by-step for how you and your partner can get on the same page so that you both feel good this holiday. And Greg, you watched the webinar, so you know all of the stuff that we've covered in it. But I think something that's really important to understand is that even if your partner is not on this journey with you, watching the webinars with you... They don't have to. They don't have to. Myla and I created this webinar knowing that many people who join us inside our programs are often doing it on their own and that the steps we walk you through... You can go through them on your own, and then in a way, I give you the con- the communication tools to have with your partner so that you can then talk to them and feel like you're on the same team and have a plan on how you want to deal with the gifts and ultimately remembering that your boundary is yours and only you can hold it and be responsible for it. Greg, thanks for joining me here on the podcast. Thanks for having me. A lot earlier in the season this time. And I feel honored to follow Dr. Becky and Larissa. Yeah. You know, from episode 17 to 3. I think that's a good thing. (laughs) You made the cut. Timely, timely discussion. You made the cut. Thanks, Craig. You're welcome. 
Remember, this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not substitute for the care from a licensed mental health care provider. If you are struggling in your relationship with anybody in your life, if you're struggling within yourself, please reach out for support. Until next time, take good care of you and see you next week. What's up, guys? I'm Gabrielle Stone, host of FML Talk. After being love-bombed, married, and cheated on, trust me, I've got some perspective on love, heartbreak, trauma, and healing. FML Talk has become weekly therapy for my listeners, where I give you a safe space to heal with, of course, a few F-bombs thrown in. Fun girl talk episodes, solo episodes that will guide you on your healing journey, and guests with stories that will leave your jaw on the floor. Grab a cocktail and come hang with me every Wednesday on FML Talk.